Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Psychology Concepts Explained. This is your host, Dr. Jack Chuang. Thank you very much for joining me. And I am uh, a psychology professor, and I only teach online courses, and I've been doing that for quite a while now. And I decided to put my podcast online. And after I did that, decided to just talk about a variety of issues every week. So thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. So I am going to reverse my format this week. For the past few episodes, I've been talking a little bit more about my personal life and other observations and then diving into the topic that's in the headline. But I think that might be doing a disservice for those who see the headline and want to listen in and they just listen to me BS for about 10 minutes and it's like, what is this guy talking about? When is he going to get to the subject? So I will go ahead and start with the subject first. Then after a very brief break, for those of you who still are interested, can stay on the line like a radio show and listen to what else is going on inside my uh, three-pound head of mine. Okay? All right. So I had a bunch of uh, topics ready for, you know, just to create on an ongoing basis, obviously. But then May rolled around all of a sudden. And, of course, May is the hottest. No, no. It is Mental Health Month. Mental Health Awareness Month. As if we really need it during the pandemic. In terms of the awareness, that is. Uh, maybe we do. And it's also Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So that, that, that pretty much describes me right there. This is my month, right? I've been waiting all year for May to come around so I can celebrate me. This month is all about me. <laughs> okay. Um, if you wait till after the break, I can explain why I'm kind of losing it. All right, so let's talk about these two things, shall we? And I will try to dedicate the month of May to these two general categories of celebrating Asian American culture, as well as talking about mental health. But really, we can talk about virtually any subject, and it can be related to our mental health in some way. But uh, I'll try to be a little bit more focused. And But this is just an introduction to the month of May and all the things that we'll talk about. Okay. All right, let's talk about mental health first. Well, obviously, the COVID-19 pandemic brought that to a forefront, right? I think mental health and mental illness awareness has been increasing over the years. But yes, 2020 definitely pushed it to the forefront where we could not ignore it. And has really hurt a lot of us in a really bad way. So there's no more normal for any of us, right, during this time. Uh, a lot of our daily routines are, are uh, obstructed. Uh, our loved ones got sick or may have passed away from COVID. People have lost jobs directly due to it, right? Uh, many of us are isolated, working from home. We don't have a chance to be around people. And I know that watching TV shows and you watch people sort of doing normal things, and you're thinking, hey, they should be wearing masks. What are they doing, <laughs> right? And so our context has changed tremendously. And you can tell that a lot of us are in a pressure cooker, right? Um, and it's a little bit like when a person decides to go to graduate school is that everything else they already had on their plate 
becomes pressurized when you take on that additional huge responsibility of it of trying to get a master's or a doctoral degree or you know someone going to medical school or whatever and so those who are advancing themselves in their education really also feel it so imagine trying to do all those things that would normally be challenging anyway but yet you add on this layer of the pandemic so yes uh, definitely brought it really up to our face so we can't avoid it now, to me, one way of looking at our mental health is by identifying the things that we're, we can identify as our top, top uh, stressors. And then once we identify what those top stressors in our life are, then in a way we can work backwards, like reverse engineer, and see how we can deal with each of those things. So let's say you ask college students, and I've done this before in the classroom, when we cover the chapter on stress and health, I oftentimes will give an essay assignment or back in the classroom days, I would ask them, you know, just on a blank piece of paper, write down the, the top three or four things that are the most stressful for them. And very um, non-surprising answers, right? Such as school in general or assignments and deadlines and grades specifically, exams. Then you tack on work, um, Having taught at a community college for that level for 20 years, I can tell you that our students really have a lot on their plates. And uh, dealing with work, family, finances, relationships, all of these things. And then now, of course, um, the pandemic, right? So let's think about each of those things I mentioned, right? We can do one episode per topic. We can talk about the academic stress. We can talk about work stress, we can talk about family and relationships, and we can talk about finances. Uh, I think we cannot overlook the importance of finances because when we're under financial duress or stress or being financially insecure, it really leads to, again, just like the pandemic effect, right? It leads to a lot of other things. Uh, just not knowing whether, you know, your, your fundamental security, right, and in terms of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right, this is one of the first things we need is a sense of security in addition to food, right? But then again, if you're financially insecure, that will affect your ability to get the food you need as well, right? Now, another component of managing stress, and if you go back and find my stress and health lecture, you'll hear me say this, is that in the research, it's not just about the big things. These are the big stressors that capture our attention, right? Someone going through a divorce or a move or loss of a job or uh, going through loss of bere and bereavement, grief and bereavement over the death of a loved one. We, we normally think of those things as the most stressful things that we experience, and surely they are. But what we tend to overlook are these little things that grind at us every day that are just there and we don't give them much notice. But these are the things that will eventually give us heart disease and uh, blood pressure problems, right? Uh, just, you know, the daily grind of, again, those things we just mentioned, you know, being in school, your work, and all that. There's nothing that really stands out, but it's just a cumulative effect of it that can really harm someone, okay? So one lesson you can take away from this in terms of our mental health is pay attention to the little things and the big things. They don't overlook those little things, such as how you 
main how you compose yourself when you drive right are you really tense or do you try to relax even though there's a lot of traffic okay and uh okay let me switch gears a little bit so that's just a little introduction of the kinds of things we can talk about when it comes to maintaining our mental health we can also talk about mental health resources we can talk about more severe mental illnesses there's really an endless list that we can talk about when it comes to mental health so we'll I'll try to uh, narrow it down for the coming month. And actually, if you have some great ideas, I'm trying to consolidate all of the social media type of communication into uh, a more simplified way for me to connect with you, the listener, and that is through our Discord channel or server. And so that's a great place to have different uh, discussion topics and for me to put out announcements related to the podcast or just anything related to psychology and it's a nice informal way to where we can just chat every day uh, sort of like our own little facebook group without using facebook that's the best part <laughs> okay now with regards to asian american pacific islander month i have a lot of thoughts about this and just like how the pandemic has brought mental health to the forefront the pandemic has also brought Obviously, the issue of Asian Americans and those of us being victimized by the public at large who are discriminating against people who look like me. And this is a really difficult subject to talk about. I did talk about it in a previous podcast not too long ago. But um, Again, just like mental health is a wide variety of things I can talk about, so let me address a few points here, is that one of the things, when, as you go through this month and you're being bombarded with a lot of radio, TV, and online programming and social media posts about celebrating Asian American Pacific Islander heritage, I want you to think about the bigger picture of how we view one another and how we seem to lack the empathy for one another. Excuse me, my iPad just fell off the stand. That's what the knock was. And so I think that's something we need to regain, and it starts with you, and it starts with how you treat the people around you, right? That's what we can control. We cannot control a stranger who's going to yell at us about something or mistreat us or attack us, right? Those things are pretty much out of our control we can control how we respond we can control how we treat others um, even though we may not get that same kind of respect back right and so that's going to be a challenge right how do you show respect to others and respect other people um, show them appreciation when maybe in your daily life you don't get a lot of that back that's a hard thing to do so I'm asking y'all to be a little bit more giving of that. And and I want to do a movement where we bring back that random act of kindness kind of thing. And and I want to rephrase that as random acts of empathy, right? Or random acts of humanization. We have to go back to that to really look at the fundamentals, okay? Um and another wish I have in terms of being in this Asian-American category is that, really, if you think about it, it's all about people judging other people based on their packaging, right? Based on their exterior features. 
That's as, as, as simple as that, right? If I did not have the physical features, hair, skin tone, maybe shape of my eye, eyes and all that, then would I get the kind of treatment that many of us Asian Americans are getting? Obviously not. Um, I have relatives who are of mixed heritage, right? Biracial. And they tend to look more toward the Anglo side of things in terms of their physical appearance, right? So in a sense, they have this protective cloak against this Asian American hate and harassment because they can pass as a white person. You see what I'm saying? Appearances-wise. So anyone who's of mixed heritage, but somehow, physically speaking, people will not immediately assume that they're Asian or Hispanic or black or whatnot, but somehow can blend in with the melting pot of whiteness, then in a way they have this protective layer. And that's really what white privilege is all about, is that having this sense of and I think me, many people misinterpret what that word, I didn't, I didn't think I was going to go here, uh, talk about white privilege. People assume it has to do with wealth. It has to do with, you know, that's what we associate with the word privilege, right? It's like, oh, I'm, I'm at a higher status than you. Well, how does that explain all those poor folks who happen to be white and mistreated? Well, that's not really what the traditional accurate definition of white privilege is, is that, is that being in America and living in this predominantly white, Caucasian, European-centric culture that we're in, right, where that's sort of the default culture and everything else, you're different or considered different, right? Then the more one can blend in, whether it's physically speaking, whether it's through your speech, Right? Without, a, without a heavy foreign, so to speak, accent. Got to be careful how I say that. That's not really what I mean, but what might be perceived as foreign. Then you have successfully melted into the melting pot of America, and that's what happened to a lot of Europeans in the generations before that migrated through Ellis Island. Right, They were not all considered white at that time, 100 years ago. Right. The Irish were discriminated against, the uh, Slavs were discriminated against. Okay, So a variety of groups from Europe, if you weren't Ang were not Anglo-Saxon, you were discriminated against. But over a generation or two, they blend in. Okay? So I, th I do find it ironic that a lot of these white supremacist groups who really talk about the true identity of being pure white, that, that, that sense of pureness, um, but most white people or Caucasian people would not fall into that category of being Aryan, right? Um, there, there's a lot of mixture there. And so, the, the, you know, obviously white supremacy has no rationale behind it. It's not, it's not about that. But in any case, um, another takeaway I would love for people to get, and if you happen to not be of Asian descent, is that Asians in general, and Asian Americans in particular, are extremely diverse, right? Just because the image that pops into one's mind of, okay, Koreans, Japanese, Chinese, you know, that's what we think of as Asian. But what about Polynesians? What about Pacific Islanders? What about South Asians, like from India or Pakistan? We don't think about all these other groups that are actually Asian as well, who have a diversity of cultural history, 
and a diversity of hardships in America. We cannot just assume that we use this blanket category that we all have the same kind of life experience here in America, where, um, and that's where that model minority stereotype or myth came from. Is that oh these Asian whiz kids they make sixteen hundred under SATs they're all smart, right? No, they don't need scholarships, and uh, they don't. This community doesn't need homeless benefits or services, and that is not entirely the case, okay? Um, statistically speaking, so we cannot really assume that, and that's where that model minority myth came from, and and oftentimes it's used to elevate and and. Us Asian Americans are used to pit us against other minority groups who may not be doing as well, and say, "Hey, look! Oh, you need—you don't need anything. Look what these people did. They just came over from the Vietnam War as refugees, and look—they're all owning businesses in Chinatown. Why can't you do? Why can't you all do the same thing over there in the black neighborhood, right? And so this becomes very toxic and very political, where one group is pit against another group uh, unjustly, whereas." We need to recognize that, you know, we're in this common fight together for equality, you know, and then to to have us as minorities harm each other or or have animosity towards one another. So when you see some of these acts of violence against the elderly Asian Americans committed by uh, black people, you know, that's really disheartening for me to see, okay? And this is not about politics, not about any of those kinds of narratives and all that. It's just that at the individual level, someone felt the need to express their hatred towards an Asian person. And again, it doesn't have to... When people say, for example, that all of this anti-Asian American hate is white supremacy and all that, I think, yes, there's a lot of large influence. But even when a minority person commits this sort of racist act against another minority person... You could make the argument that what happens is that that person actually is adopting the ideology of white supremacy, right? When they're thinking that this group is a scapegoat, this group is a target, and I'm going to target them as well, right? So they're adopting that same ideology, even if they're not white. It doesn't make sense at some level, but it kind of makes sense at a different level. Okay, so that's just an introduction that I think we can dive further in for the rest of the month of May. And after a short break, I'm going to rehydrate and talk about some other issues that have been going on around the Truong family. Okay, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, before I take this break, I want to make sure that everyone... Uh, I want to make this point. I, I think I'll make the point after the break. I think it makes sense. So I'll just go ahead and end this here, and I'll make some more important points after this short break. Thanks. Hello, friends. Let me take a moment to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring our podcast. Let me talk to you a little bit about searching for happiness or trying to achieve goals. And oftentimes, life and circumstances and other reasons get in the way. So BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating with your therapist within 48 hours. And it's not a crisis hotline, okay? And it's not self-help. It's actual 
professional counseling, but is done securely online. You have access to BetterHelp's network of over 20,000 counselors with a wide variety of expertise and training. And this is also about accessibility. If you don't have a counselor in your area to see in person, then this could be a great solution for you. So this service is available for clients worldwide, and you can log into your account at any time and send a message to your counselor. So again, accessibility. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as in traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so, and they make it easy and free if you want to change counselors if necessary. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com slash PsychExplained and join the over 1 million people who are taking charge of their mental health with the help of experienced mental health professionals. And there's a special offer for my Psychology Concepts Explained listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash psychexplained. You can see the link in the show notes. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of Psychology Concepts Explained. All right, I am officially rehydrated and ready for the stretch run here. All right, so the important point I wanted to make before the break, yeah, I'm glad I wrote things down. <laughs> it would be so typical of me just to forget it, is that um, big news that I have my first monthly supporter for this podcast. I was pleasantly shocked when I logged into my Anchor account where my, you know, all my podcasts are and all that. And I can look at statistics of who's listening from where and how many downloads or listens that I get for a particular episode and thinking, what was wrong with that episode? And why are people listening to more of this and all that? And then, boom, there was a month under the monthly supporter category. There was a number one there. And I'm not going to reveal the name. If you support me in any way, whether it's by sending me a dollar for coffee, three dollars for more coffee or ten dollars for even more coffee, uh, or support me monthly as this person did, this very kind and generous person, then uh, let me know if it's okay that I can give you a shout-out uh, on my podcast and tell you personally that I thank you. And, and it's not... It is and it isn't about the money that people give as a sign of support. I've said before that, you know, I'm not hurting for money, at the moment, luckily. I'm very grateful for that. But when someone makes those few clicks online to send me $1, $3, $10, or so much per month, especially that monthly support, then, you know, that is someone's 
hard-earned money. Now, I don't know if that person is hurting for money or that person is well off and has that extra money to send to support a podcast like mine. But in either case, that is very symbolic to me that, um, and those of you who are listening by following or subscribing, and, and by the way, in the podcasting world, we're evolving towards making those words mean different things. It used to be that whatever app you're using, you're subscribing to a podcast, so you get every episode as they come out, right? Like YouTube is a subscription. But I think podcasting is moving toward the word follow. So you tend to follow a podcast. And subscribing might mean that you're paying for an exclusive podcast uh, and their content, okay? Um, I have my own thoughts about that payment aspect of it, but that's for another time. But in any case, I just really want to thank those of you who are following or subscribing because that means just as much to me as a person who is also willing to um, send me money as a form of support. They're all good, okay? It's all reinforcing. And, um, and it's not about the quantity of listeners, but it's about the fact that someone who listens will tell me that, oh, I just binged all your episodes in about a week. I was like, what? What's wrong with you? No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. You know, I, I, I think... And the imposter syndrome is something I want to talk about in another podcast, but I keep thinking, why would someone listen to me talk once a week? What is so valuable about what I have to say? And so I think that's something that I think all of us are struggling with, to one day earn that sense of confidence that we deserve for ourselves, right? And I think a, a title, a salary, a job title, or an academic title doesn't automatically give that person that sense of confidence. You know, when I really do think about it, sometimes I downplay it, but getting a doctorate degree kind of is a big deal because so few, so few people in the general population ever achieve this kind of academic credential. But sometimes I just sort of play it down because... At some level, maybe I feel like I don't deserve it, right? Oh, I didn't think I was going to go there to this topic. I was going to save it for another podcast. Anyway, I get paid for teaching, right? But for podcasting, I just did not expect to receive a dime from it because I was just going to put my lectures online and then chit-chat about other things. And then I just put more effort into it invested more time into thinking about what the podcast could be about because I love the format of podcasting. And I love to speak more than I love to write because we used to have a family travel blog that we wrote and it just kind of sort of pittered out because we ran out of energy for, to do that and we kind of lost the sense of, well, what's the point of this travel blog, you know? Um, we're just putting our private experiences online and, and all that. But... I've always loved podcasting. I think I can trace it back to my days at the University of Texas and my best friend, Liren, who was very social. And I'm not sure if I told this story before. I probably have. But um, given that I was pathologically shy, and I know it's hard to believe based on how much I talk now, but 
during my high school and early college years, I, I really did not talk much. I was much more introverted, more comfortable around my small group of friends. I just needed one or two friends, and I was happy, right? But Liren had a large social group. He was just making friends all over the place. You know, I, I always imagined him having a directory of people around the world, and he did. And he was really the social media king before there was social media. Right? This is all pre-social media, right? Uh, and he really ate up Facebook when it was a, a thing, okay? And he would just comment on everybody's posts. You know, he was very generous with his time that way, given that he had so many friends that I felt that way uh, about him too, that, wow, why would he give me so much attention and that kind of thing when he has so many other friends in so many different circles? Anyway, to make a long story even longer, he would drag me to these social events, and one of these things happened to be the Asian Culture Committee on campus had a college radio show on the college radio station. Now, it's not like a big deal where, you know, how universities have their own public radio station. It wasn't that big, okay? It was like some sort of cable radio, which means I think you can only listen to it through certain outlets on campus. I really didn't know technically how it worked, but we had a once-a-week uh, uh, once hourly show and Liren, he had a booming radio voice. I think he would be the ultimate podcaster today if he didn't pass away at the young age of 44. But um, I still think about him almost every day, by the way. So I think for me, doing podcasting is almost in a way of paying homage to him because I wish I had his voice, and everyone who knew him just sort of knew about that voice. His voice was so booming, that literally, I think I've told this story many, many times, that one time over the phone, I was talking to him, and his, his bass was so loud and deep that it loosened my earwax. And I had to hang up the phone. I was like, man, you're, you're like going to tear my eardrum because your voice is so powerful. Anyway, so he would do the news, of course. He'd be like the head anchor, read about the daily, you know, the weekly news, whatever. And our show was called, not our show, but the show was called East Winds right? Which I thought was kind of cute. And my role was to take this portable microphone and just interview people. Not the most exciting thing, but I would interview like, you know, a head of a student's organization, but you know, whatever. And then we would play that back on air. And I, I really just enjoyed that environment. I enjoyed the, the technical aspect of it. I'm no sound engineer, but just part of it. I was an engineering major at the time, so I was really interested in all that part of it too, and I love the camaraderie that I wouldn't have had if I was just left of, if I was just left to my own devices. I would just be alone, <laughs> like I typically was back then. So I appreciate the fact that he dragged me out for that experience. And then when the summer approached, one particular year, and we were doing all this activity, the local Austin, I believe, public radio station had like some sort of training or internship where any of us who were participating on the East Winds show could go and just learn how to, you know, how the, a radio station would work. And, you know, I try not to live life with regrets, but I really do regret not doing that. And that was because at the time I was an electrical engineering major. I know, go figure. And as an electrical engineer, I attended what's called a co-op co program where... We 
basically work at a company for three semesters. And then after those three semesters, we fill, fulfill our obligation. And presumably after you graduate, they would hire you. After all that investment of time that they gave to train you. Well, I finished two out of those three semesters before I changed majors to psychology. But the reason I did not attend that public radio station internship or training, whatever it was back then, was because I had to go on my first co-op semester. And looking back on it, I'm thinking, wow, what, what could have been if... I got so into radio that I became like an audio engineer or maybe a journalist or whatnot. So I, I don't know, you know, just, and I think that part of that is still in me and that's why I enjoy podcasting so much. And then it's so reinforcing going back to my original point of having a listener take the time to email me, you know, you know, I know y'all's time is very, very valuable so the fact that you would take time and tell me that, oh, I listened to this episode, I really appreciate it, or I'm a bachelor's, you know, I'm studying for my bachelor's, or I'm going to grad school, and I use your lectures to study. So I have a feeling that most of the clicks or downloads on my channel have to do with those lectures that I posted at the beginning of the channel, and the traffic of those people listening to these weekly podcasts, I'm assuming is sort of a different crowd, or that you are the most loyal of my listeners. You started with some of those lectures to help you study for a class maybe, or you just randomly found my podcast and you found it interesting and you tune in every week. So I think that's what's most rewarding by getting that support is just that, you know, it's screaming at me from the computer screen that, it's like validation that, wow, someone's not only just willing to chip in a little money in my little coffee can here to say, hey, I like what you're doing, but to do that monthly, right? Who does that, okay? So I can tell you the amount. It's four ninety nine a month, and I'm thinking, wow, that's almost a Disney Plus subscription. That's maybe a third of a Netflix subscription, um, that's half of a Spotify subscription, right? So someone thinks of me as value as one third as valuable as Netflix, or two thirds as valuable as Disney Plus, or I'm one half of Spotify. I think that's really cool, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, if you think about it, right? That's a lot of money per month to give to an individual, and it's sort of weird, but. I guess I can call myself a creator. Am I a creator? I don't know. Am I creating something? Anyway, so again, I want to reiterate what I said at the beginning about joining our Discord group. We have such a great little community starting there of longtime listeners, and then my daughter joined in, my wife joined in <laughs> uninvited. <laughs> but of course, it's, it's fine, right? I'm not going to kick her out or anything. Um, I just one day she just popped in and I was like, wait, did I send you an invite? I don't remember sending you like the link for it. She goes, oh, you remember you posted it in our three-way chat with Emma, our daughter. So she just clicked on it and just popped right in there. And then I also recently have a, a former student of mine who is now an LPC, licensed professional counselor. And so she was a student of mine at least 10 years ago and who's living a very productive, you know, career and, and happy home life. So I'm so happy for her. 
and she's joined our group. So, uh, and also I realized we have at least four or five listeners, young listeners who are listening from India. And I need to express how heartbroken I am to as to what's happening in India right now with the COVID-19 outbreak and this huge wave. And I'm sure all of you have seen footage on the news of of the cremation that's happening outdoors of the bodies. And to anyone out there who even considers that this might be a hoax, you have to really think, neighbors can't even agree on what the color blue is. And you expect 200 nations around the world to have a coordinated effort to put on this elaborate act and fake a worldwide pandemic to what end and how is that even feasible or possible or achievable it just illogical anyway so yeah my heart goes out to uh my friends in india so uh i hope you and your family are are safe and also speaking of asian american month right we're, all, we're still thinking about our friends in myanmar uh, we have really close friends there. And of course, my wife's family, extended family are still there. And so just there's only so much you can absorb and watch and follow because the crimes against humanity, and really they are, is just getting to the point where it's hard to even comprehend what's happening. Right? Okay, so let me just finish with what else is happening. I am literally sweating my pants off here doing this podcast because the air conditioning at this house that we're in, and again, I may have said many episodes ago that we're house-sitting for a relative who works overseas, and in the meantime, we pay rent by fixing what needs to be fixed and, and all that. So it's, I think it's a mutually beneficial arrangement. Anyway, so the air conditioner has been out since last late last fall. We just sort of put it off because, you know, it wasn't hot over the winter months and we had that deep freeze and the furnace, the gas furnace for heat was working. But the air conditioner now, of course, it's May and I think we've put it off maybe five weeks too late because just recently the temperatures have gotten to the point where it's a bit uncomfortable. Now, I know this is kind of a first world problem because um, when we lived in Thailand, there was no air conditioning on the first one. I think I mentioned this last week. But uh, so this, yeah, this constant sticky feeling of humid air in uh, the coastal Texas where we are in Houston area. Yeah, it, it totally reminds us of Southeast Asia. So there you go. We're having a Southeast Asian experience right now. So the day after tomorrow, the air conditioning company will come and replace the whole system because it's old. And um, that's why I missed out on an opportunity to talk to some college students Um at Texas Tech University, I was invited, amongst many others. Well, we volunteered, actually, to talk to college students about, you know, possibilities of different kinds of career choices and all that in psychology. So I missed out on that just because it was at 4 p.m., and there's no way I can be here on Zoom at 4 p.m. just toweling my head off because of the heat <laughs> and then watch watch my computer spark, you know. Anyway, so that's why it's, um, and we definitely lost our cool, literally. I mean, we were just, my wife and I getting on each other's nerves, and we had a shouting match. <sighs> yes, it's been a long time since we had one of those, so we just took out a lot of our cumulative stress and frustration out on each other, but we're okay now because we talked about it. We, we cooled off, even though I'm still sweating. All right, we're such spoiled Americans when we just can't deal with sweat, where it's a very normal part of existence in many other 
parts of the world where the weather inside the house is very similar to the weather outside the house, right? But not in America. Our homes are sealed off, right? So you can't let any kind of draft in or out. And so that way in the winter you can overheat your house and wear, you know, shorts and no shirt. And then in the summertime you can cool down so much so you can wear your coat inside the house. That's how we do it in America. We kind of overdo it. Okay, I think that's it for this week. Uh, by the way, I'm recording this on a new computer. Thank you. It's, it's a new once-a-decade investment. My MacBook Air finally arrived. I got that gold, rose gold color. But the more I look at it, it looks like copper, which is kind of cool. It's like um, my computer is made out of recycled pennies, which is probably illegal to do if they actually did that. But that's what it looks like. So it's kind of cool. And this is probably the last computer... I might buy for my working years. You know, if I'm lucky enough to live for the next 10 years, this will easily last me 10 years as my last laptop lasted me 11 years, 10 to 11 years. So this is my laptop that will carry me into retirement. Interesting. And I think um, hopefully the sound quality of this episode is a little bit better than previous. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm using the same microphone, but I'm using different software on the computer, and I think that's going to help a lot going forward. And by the way, this MacBook Air has insane battery life. Went to the coffee out, coffee shop today because it was so hot. You know, we went through the cool off, have a drink, work on stuff, and I think we we're there for at least three and a half, four hours. And I think I used maybe ten percent battery, twelve percent. You know, weird, but good. It's good. Okay. And for those five of you who have listened to this point in the podcast, you know I have graphs that show the percentage of listeners as time progresses per episode, and the graph kind of goes downward, right? And that kind of means, I think, that I talk too much. All right. So again, join us on Discord or reach me through the other methods, but that's the main place for us to have a chit-chat and have a conversation, and I look forward to listening from you. And if you do have some money to spare, and you're looking for an independent podcaster to support, then here you go. That could be me, and I would really appreciate that. Because the more people that support me, that gives me more encouragement to do more and better episodes going forward. And by the way, I think apply the same principle to app developers. They work really hard to make even the simplest of apps on your mobile phone and mobile devices or your computer, and we're so spoiled by having free apps that we don't think that this really useful app is worth $0.99 cents or one ninety nine or even $9.99. You know, if it's valuable, show your appreciation, if you can afford it, by paying an app developer, okay? I think that goes a long way because now I have a little bit of what that feels like because I'm producing a product here in a way, and someone found that it was valuable enough to... Give me a little bit of support. It's like a little bit of a pat on the back, and that really made my day. It'll probably make my week because I'm still, you can ask my wife, okay? I'm just talking about it nonstop. Okay, folks, thank you very much. I'm going to move over here on the mouse pad, look for the stop button, and I'll talk to you next week. Hey there, thanks for listening to this podcast today. Can you do me a big favor? Um, 
just so that this podcast gets heard by more students of psychology and other people interested in the field. Uh, go to Apple Podcasts and put a little rating there if you like and uh, a brief uh, review. Okay, And you can also contact me directly using the links in the description, whether it's Twitter or email, with any suggestions or feedback that you may have to make the show better. And uh, if there are any topics you want me to talk about, I can add them. And if you want to support me by buying me a coffee, the methods are listed in the description as well. Again, thanks and have a great day.